Let's pray and we shall get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Help us to love your word and understand it. We thank you, Lord, for sending us another helper. For sending us the spirit of truth uh, to teach us and to encourage us and comfort us. We ask, Lord, that you would grant us wisdom and knowledge and understanding according to your word and bless our time in fellowship today as we come to worship you together. I pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right. <clears throat> Can everybody see that? Not me. I don't care if you see me. Okay, everybody can see, except for, you can see, right? Can you see? Okay. So, we shall be touching on the first objective that we mentioned last week. Uh, We're going to demonstrate that the Holy Spirit is a person. Now, the sweetness of biblical truth is magnified when it is preceded by disgusting, unfilling heresy, right? So let's take a quick glance at some erroneous and heretical views of the personality of the Holy Spirit, some denials. Um, first up, Arianism. Who remembers, who was here when we went through church history and who, who can tell me what his heresy on the person of Christ was, if you remember? He denied the deity of Christ. There was a time when Christ was not. Um, his view of the Holy Spirit is similar the Holy Spirit was created by God, was of separate substance from both God, the Father, and Jesus, and was subservient to both of them. Next up, Socinianism. The Holy Spirit is merely the eternally proceeding energy of God. The Jehovah's Witnesses teach that the Holy Spirit is the invisible active force of God. And when talking about the personality of the Holy Spirit, you're most likely to run into a Jehovah's Witness who would contradict that fact. Um, Believe it or not, there is still such a thing as Yahoo Answers. And um, when I was looking up some, some stuff on this, I came across a a thread, and uh, it was the Jehovah's Witnesses who were most vehemently um, contradicting the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person. They can be very, very nice people, but I sensed a lot of snarkiness when replying to anybody who might have a question in, in regards to this particular subject. And it was actually really weird. 
um, it was like I was on an, an in an AOL chat thread or something like that. Like, I, I didn't know you could still use Yahoo Answers, but they sure used it a lot. And uh, they would ask <laughs> Jeeves. They would, I mean, publish like entire essays in one comment, like, and then comment to themselves. It was really weird. They have a strong passion for the lack of personality in the Holy Spirit. Anyways, Mormonism teaches that the Holy Spirit is a spirit man. He is an engendered spirit. He is, therefore, a spirit son of God the Father. And it follows that he is one of our spirit brothers. And there's not um, there's not a lot of information about how, but apparently the Holy Ghost became a member of the Godhead. I didn't see I didn't see a lot of uh, information telling us as to why. Probably because it's completely false and garbage. Spirit man, I I don't. Yeah, it doesn't. That's they just. Um, it was one of his spirit children, apparently, with God the Father and God the Mother, and it was masculine in gender. I I don't know. It's not a thing. <laughs> so there's no real good explanation. Yeah. Christian science, this is my favorite. In Christian science, the Holy Spirit is Christian science. The scientific system of healing. If you've never, if you've never looked into Christian science, you really ought to. It's, it's almost, it's, it's almost, it's more fascinating than Scientology, but more serious. Like it, Scientology is like, it's an obvious scheme for rich people made up, it's, obvious fiction uh but somebody actually believed this stuff and made a religion out of it it's weird you know you look at uh uh mary Catherine eddy and uh uh phineas quimby mary baker. mary baker eddy yeah um it's extremely fascinating at at, at the least Right, not Christians who are scientists. Right. The Church of Christian Science. Which is separate from Christianity doing science. Right. Okay. Completely different. Okay. Than a scientist who happens to be Christian. Yes. <laughs> I haven't either. They used to have one in Snoqualmie, but it's gone now. Is there? I should visit. Yeah. Yes. As a group, it'll be. A We're getting off track. Uh, and then finally, Christadelphianism. The Holy Spirit is the invisible, radiant power or force from the Father. I don't know a whole lot about Christadelphianism, other than it's false. Is there really? Good for Jack. All right, so there's some erroneous 
uh, views of the personage, personage of the Holy Spirit. Um, now let's look at what the scriptures say, and we shall enjoy that even more. So, it's all Greek to you. This is, we'll just look at this briefly. We'll come back to it in a second. This is John chapter 14, verses 15 and 17 from the Nestle Allen 28th edition of the Greek New Testament. Um, This is significant because, as I mentioned, the Jehovah's Witnesses, um, who you are most likely to have a conversation on the personality of the Holy Spirit with, um, they may they may bring this passage to your attention. Um, so, real quick, you know this word. Numa, spirit. And you probably know this word for world, cosmos. You know this word. I know you know this word. Ooh. Means not. And this word, you know this word? No. Dunamis, power, right? Which, where? This one? That is um, aletheia, truth. Spirit of truth. So, the other word to point out is this word. Zabadapatu. No, it is not. Somebody, somebody knows how to scat. Uh, no. Parakletos. The paraclete, the helper. Advocate, yes. And then here's another word we need to, to recognize. Auto. Auto. It is a pronoun. It's a pronoun referring to the previous noun. Right? Okay. Now, why am I showing you this? I will tell you. should have maybe next time all right so let's look at the esv because it is the best translation the best english translation that there is john 14 15 to 17 yes no 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 all right if you love me i should have asked if anybody memorized the uh scripture i didn't did anybody actually do that now that it's up there on the screen let's go back to the greek you can't read that did anybody did anybody memorize the scripture and i challenge you to add verse 15 if you love me you will keep my commandments and i will ask the father And he will send you another helper that will be with you forever. Nobody did? Okay. 
All right. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now, who knows what the next translation is just by the acronym acronym, not the acronym, the the three letters. New World Translation, which is from the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. If you love me, you will observe my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, lowercase h, to be with you forever, the spirit of truth, all lowercase, which, not who, the world cannot receive, because it neither sees it nor knows it. You know it. Because it remains with you and is in you. Which one of these translations is the most literal? The ESV is the most literal of these two. Of those two? Well... The New World Translation happens to be the most literal in that it is translating the words, the pronouns correctly, according to the Greek rules. The word auto is singular, uh, not singular, um, no, it's not masculine, it's, uh, man, I'm forgetting a normal word again. It's yes. <laughs> it's not gender neutral, but um, neuter. Sorry, it is neuter. It's in the neuter form. It is not indicating whether it's masculine or feminine. It is referring to pneuma, which is also in the neuter form. So the translation could legitimately be it and it instead of he. Um, not necessarily. Sure. <laughs> Is that a person? Ah. Neuter, that it's non-gendered, yeah. So, however, why then, why then do all other English translations render the pronouns as him, 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 he. That is true because we, because all other English translations are Trinitarian. Um, they recognize the fact that the spirit of truth is ultimately referencing the paraclete, paracletos, which is in the masculine, masculine form. So then they, they then translate the pronouns accordingly. But you could literally translate it as it, as a gender neutral pronoun. So they, they will point you to this. 
They will say, well, John does it here. And he refers to him as an it. And they'll say, look, it says auto and not autos. It's the uh, the masculine form. The masculine pronoun would be autos. And there's a, another equivalent that John uses other places. Um, so something to consider when... Because Jehovah's Witnesses, they're not stupid. They they practice these lines that they've been taught to to memorize, to spit out there at Christians who might know a thing or two. So if you are aware of these things and somebody is sitting on your couch and tries to tell you about the Greek pronoun in the neuter form, you can go, I see where you're going with this. And then you can... Because they don't, if you, if, you re, if you have a New World Translation, you'll notice there are places where they don't do this. Because grammatically, it's impossible. So in all the other passages that, that I'm about to show you, um, the masculine noun pronouns are utilized by John. Ultimately, yes. 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 But technically, in the Greek, these pronouns are referring back to the noun right before it. So as Trinitarians, and we take all of Scripture uh, into account when thinking about these things, and the translators of the English versions take this into account, that ultimately it is referring back to the paraclete, who we know is the Holy Spirit, and it is in the masculine form. Yes. Also, the, just the very understanding of what a paraclete was, an advocate, a defender, a representative, you know, in the original context, nobody would have thought of some unanimate, transcendent, immutable force who was working out things for your good. Everyone would have thought of a, a man, you know, a person, Right. And it's a, it's a cheap attempt at using the original Greek for their obvious agenda. Uh, one other thing that I want to just point out real quick. The, where it says, and this is unrelated to, for today, but I just want to point out since we're here, uh, whom the world cannot receive. Whom the world cannot receive. Cosmos u dunamai. World, not power. Um, Lambano, remain. Anyways, my point is, from a, from a previous lesson, this is literally, they, the world 
does not possess the power to receive. It's not just that they will not receive, but they don't have the power. Um, when I was looking at the Greek words, I realized it seems more well, powerful when you look at the word dunamis, dunama, dunama, dunamis. Anyways, that, that, that's attached to one of the salvation lessons. Anyways, just thought I'd point that out. So, like I said, the rest of these passages, they do have the masculine pronouns. Okay? So John fourteen twenty six, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So as we, as we go through these, let's just point out what the Holy Spirit is doing in, uh, in these passages. So what is the Holy Spirit doing in John 14, 26? He's teaching. Eternally proceeding energy does not teach. Impersonal forces do not teach. And he's bringing to remembrance. Forces don't bring things to your remembrance. Unless you remembered getting hit by a car or something like that. And you got hit by a car again. That might remind you of the last time. But that's not what we're talking about. Uh, John fifteen twenty six. But when the helper comes whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. What's the Holy Spirit doing in this verse? He's bearing witness. Forces don't bear witness. You have to have some knowledge of something to witness about. John 16, 7 and 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. He is convicting the world. Personal forces do not convict people of anything. They don't get sent. Your Honor, uh, I'd like to call my next witness, the wind. He's going to bring forth some damning evidence so that we can convict so-and-so. No, that's silly. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. John 16, 13, and 14. The Holy Spirit is doing multiple things in here.
No. It doesn't make sense. These are masculine pronouns. He's guiding into, into all truth in order to be able to guide anyone in truth, you have to obtain or possess knowledge of the truth. Dogs can hear. I mean, I've even, I've even seen on YouTube a dog speak. He said, I love you multiple times. So, of course, he is hearing and speaking truth, which is intelligible and intentional and objective. Right? What else? He declares. He's declaring. What does it mean to declare? but emotionally with with uh, emphasis you got to know something and be passionate about it in order to declare something impersonal forces are not passionate were you going to say something They just because John personifies the Holy Spirit in some cases, it doesn't necessarily mean that the Holy Spirit is a person because he doesn't do it in John 14. It's flimsy. Yeah. Yeah. No, they it's impossible grammatically to do that. That's why they only do it with that one. And my personal favorite, Acts 13, 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Um, Brooks can babble, wind can howl, electricity can hum, but none of them can talk intelligently. What else is Holy Spirit doing in here? Yes, Aaron, did you have a? Ah. Um, so what? What else is the Holy Spirit doing in this passage? Correct. It is animate and a person. He's setting apart, yeah. He he calls them for specific works. 
Um, I saw one person attempt to explain this away. And his attempt was uh, not very good. He uh, brought up the fact that wisdom is personified. And that the mouth, out of the mouth speaks, but mouths aren't persons. There's really, there's really no good way to explain this away, to be short. Just, it doesn't get much more obvious or blatant than this. The Holy Spirit said, and then follows a very intelligent, purposeful sentence. So, attributes of personality. In the book, there are several attributes of personality that are listed. What is the first one? Intellect. The second one is emotion and volition. So when we say intellect, what are we what are we trying to convey? It's in the book. The Holy Spirit possesses the ability to know and understand reality. So let's take a look at some scriptures demonstrating that. John 16, 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. We already looked at this verse, and we pointed out that the Holy Spirit is guiding and speaking, hearing and declaring. Obviously, he possesses knowledge to do so. Romans eight twenty six and 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. What is this indicating about the intellect of the Holy Spirit? He possesses a a mind and purpose. Yeah, He possesses a mind. First Corinthians two ten eleven and thirteen. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Uh, you need an intellect in order to um, comprehend anything. Correct? Seems pretty self-explanatory. He searches the depths of God. 
He comprehends the thoughts of God. And uh, Paul says that the words that he imparts were taught to him by the Holy Spirit. Emotion. Where are we going for emotion? What? Yep. Where's that? Where is it? The Holy Spirit possesses the ability to experience emotion, demonstrated in Ephesians 4.30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. What does it mean to grieve someone? Hurt their feelings, cause them emotional distress. Can you do that to an impersonal force? Yes. Not yet. So volition, what are we saying when we say the Holy Spirit has volition? It's in the book. Holy Spirit possesses the ability to determine or act decisively. Second Corinthians, uh, excuse me, first Corinthians 12, seven and 11 to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. And then Paul goes on to, um, to name the spiritual gifts. And then he says, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. He has a will. Personal forces do not have a will. Now, one of the encouraging things of this, of verse 11, is that he does this to each one individually. The Holy Spirit takes into account each one of us individually we are one body but many parts and he grants to us gifts individually according to his will i thought that was a nice thought that i'm not just another face in the crowd the holy spirit knows me and granted me spiritual gifts personally individually according to his will yes All were made to drink of one spirit. Does that take away our will? Does it force us? No. No. It does not.
I think the point is this, that there is only one spirit. The, the, the individual gifts that we get all come from the same source. The, I, don't, I don't think the point is that, that we were forced to it. Yeah. Do you have, right? Do you have your your Bible handy? I was going to say, is there a note under that verse? No, no, you're, uh, yeah. Let's see what R.C. Sproul has to say. Um, yeah, thirteen, right? on the word all and the allusion to the sacraments is a similar description from the Israelites earlier in the book. One of the truths signified and sealed by water baptism is the baptism of the Holy Spirit that incorporates believers into the one body of Christ. Baptism replaces circumcision as a sign of admission um, into God's covenant. And then partaking in the Lord's Supper signifies our continued communion with Christ in faith. He doesn't yeah, he's, he's not at all talking about a force versus create uh, verb tense. He's literally talking about um, we all are, it's the same source. Unity. Yes, unity. So and regardless word, of. The word made is not in the Greek. So it's not, it's not talking about the will. It's not talking about uh, being instructed to do these things. But it's in the context. He's talk, we're talking about, uh, you know, the gift that, that the Spirit Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sweet. Nice little uh, detour. Acts 13, 2 again. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. He determines decisively to set apart particular people for particular purposes. Um, in addition to those things, we can see that the Holy Spirit can be responded to personally. Acts ten nineteen and 21. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? How is the Holy Spirit responded to in this passage?
Paul obeys the Holy Spirit. What point in there? Is, what point is there to obey an impersonal force? None. Acts seven fifty one. You stiff necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit, as your fathers did. So do you. How is the Holy Spirit being responded to? He's being resisted. I guess you could resist an impersonal force, but not in the same way. You could resist the wind, put on a windbreaker. Yeah, there's right. There's a relational aspect. Yeah. Right. Acts 5.3, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? The Holy Spirit's being lied to. Why lie to a river? Hebrews 10.29, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace or outraged or insulted? The better, the better way to translate that is insulted. He has and has insulted the spirit of grace. The ESV there um, translated incorrectly on purpose so as to make not not make the NASB feel so bad. Um, it's not true. <laughs> it's time for some some church discipline. I know. Mark three twenty nine. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. The Holy Spirit is be responded to with blaspheme. He is being blasphemed. We don't have time, obviously, because I'm up here. We're running out of time. Uh, we'll pick up on the deity of the Holy Spirit next time. Yeah. Father, Son, and then an impersonal force that eternally proceeds from him. Doesn't make any sense. And you wouldn't give that impersonal force a name, right? Okay. Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your word. Thank you for revealing truth to us. Help us to love your truth and help us to 
be able to convey it to people with grace and confidence. Lord, we ask that you would bring people to our into our paths where uh, we can um, share these truths, people who have been led astray, and that you might be gracious to them and save them. I pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.